punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast, Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined by Logan Mullen of Nesson.com fame. Logan, how are you? Swell, Mike. How are you? I'm not bad. It's good to be back, uh, I suppose. You guys flew without me uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's correct. And now we have done the same to Lauren. So it's uh, a revolving door around here. It's a weird time of year. Yeah, it is. You know, um, Double shifting, cycling our lines. Uh, you know, We find a way to get it done, though. Um, so we are into uh, the crazy season, or I guess we're in the midst of the crazy season. Uh, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, July 27th, one day before NHL free agency begins. Uh, it, I expect a flurry of moves, and <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> That's a good uh, one. We are doing this podcast literally 10, 15 minutes after the news broke that Marc-Andre Fleury has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. That's according to multiple reports. So that just kind of tells you where we're at right now with movement. All of this about, you know, we're about 24 hours before free agency starts. So we're going to uh, do a quick recap of the expansion draft. I'll go over a couple quick Bruins news and notes nuggets uh leading into free agency and then we'll do a quick preview of free agency kind of uh maybe not do predictions per se but kind of trying to get around ideas trying to get a feel of the room uh as 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 it is uh so let's start with the expansion draft that was a week ago maybe two weeks ago could have been three weeks ago i'm not really sure time is a uh just a construct to me at this point but uh seattle kraken with the first pick that's true in kraken history uh, Jeremy Lausanne became a uh, trivia answer. Uh, Kraken take him from the Bruins. Not really a huge surprise there. No, it was going to be him or Clifton, maybe Zaboral. I probably thought Zaboral sooner than Lausanne just because of the whole Jay Leach connection. Like I remember this time last year, whenever Jay Leach spoke, he was falling all over himself about how good Zaboral had gotten. Uh, so that seemed to make a lot of sense to me. But for the Bruins, probably the best case scenario that it was Lozon who got picked because he has probably, of the defensemen, he has the most capped offensive upside. That's the toughest ability to replace. And so if you want a big body that can hit guys and defend the net for the most part, there's about 25 of them that will make a million bucks on the open market right now. I don't have any thoughts on the expansion draft, which is not the greatest declaration to make uh for a podcast but it just i i think no matter who they lost it was going to be i don't want to be disrespectful to anybody you know like i don't want to minimize the impact that lozon had and really could have had moving forward sure i think he has probably the highest ceiling or i have the i can get myself to his ceiling easier than maybe uh Zaboral or, or Clifton, but I, I you know, if I was to choose one that I wanted to keep, if I was the Bruins, it probably would have been Clifton because yeah. I think it fills a short term need and I think he's the closest to what you're you know, you don't have to wait as long. Right. Maybe that's short sighted, but again They never really had to wait with them. No, yeah, that's true. But like when you're you know when that's the kind of player again, no disrespect, but like we're talking down the roster here, so it's not a not a huge well, I think it's easy to be time. I think it's easy to be dismissive about the Bruins situation because 
of what other teams did. Like that's other a teams good point. Were exactly. Leaving, right. Like you know, the Bruins weren't leaving a franchise goalie exposed like Carey Price. That's a very or, good point. You know, dangling their captain or you know Matt Duchesne and uh, not Ryan Ellis, uh, Ryan Johansson. Yep. Um, and so. I don't know. That probably took away from the luster a little bit. What did you think about what the Kraken did before? Uh, we... uh, well, it sure sounds like they're going to start flipping a lot of guys. They made a number of moves that I did like. Like, I like the Vince Dunn thing. I thought it was smart that they got Giordano. Giordano yep. uh, I have no clue who's going to score for that team it, and who's going to center what lines. Like, I think they have a lot of good players, but players that are good relative to the roles that they served with their previous team. So the easiest one is uh, Yanni Gord. So Yanni Gord was a great third line center for the lightning. He might be their best center uh, right now. And it, at worst, he's probably their second line center. So it's like, we know Yanni Gord can be a good third line center. What if he has to play top six minutes all the time? Uh, Kelly Yarncroft was the guy that they got from Nashville. Like, that's another guy who's probably going to be centering a line. Shouldn't be centering much higher than a second line, but he could be their top line guy. So I think trades are probably upcoming because they have basically no depth at center and no scoring. Um, but I think, you know, that that's kind of how it looked with the Golden Knights too. Like you sat there and you're like, well, it's going to be like Jonathan Marcheseau if he breaks out. And he ended up being good. Riley Smith had true. a lot of success there. So. I don't know. It's also kind of tough to tell until free agency plays out too, because they they have money to they blow, have so they a could a lot of cap space. Yeah, they have a ton of cap space and could make a play for a scorer of some kind. Who that would be, I don't know, but yeah, they've certainly set themselves up to be flexible and kind of do whatever they they really want to do, and then go from there. Um, but other than that, I guess like. The, to your point, the Vegas thing is probably more interesting and entertaining in hindsight than it was at the time. So maybe yeah. the, maybe Seattle kind of gets to that point as well. But other than that, it's like, I, yeah, you drafted a bunch of third line guys who are cheap, you know, second, third pairing yeah. D men, backup goalies. Like it's it's kind of like the twenty twenty Red Sox with how they built the bullpen. It was like we're gonna claim like fifteen guys off waivers and hope that two of them stick for when we actually are ready to compete. It's like. They just stockpiled forwards. It's like, well, hopefully this will round out our bottom six and part of our, you know, first and second lines, and then next off season we'll go. Buck or wild. second, third, and fourth lines as they go out and go nuts in free agency, and then you kind of so. sell off parts for assets. So yeah. I, I have know. no clue who's going to be on that first line. It's going to be like Jordan Everly. Yeah, sure. And, that, all right, I, and I don't know who else. <laughs> this is probably more crack and talk than I it, it ever is. really want to do, but. Um, let's get into more Bruin centric stuff. Uh, we'll go chronological order here. So that, uh, Friday night, right about an hour before the first round of the draft, Bruins announced what had been widely reported in the 24 hours leading up to the draft is that Taylor Hall was back. Uh, they resigned him a four years, uh, $24 million contract, not extension, but a contract. Um, no trade. I think there is going to be trade protection. That's yeah. What, yeah. So, um, I, I think it's a very manageable number. Um, I think especially when you consider what's coming off the books with Rask and more importantly, David Krejci, uh, you know, if they could get Krejci back at a reasonable number, like it, it's not a huge lift. It, I think like if they, if Krejci decides he wants to come back and they get him for a discount, which they probably would, like you start kind of just fitting that into it just makes the hall number look a lot better, yeah. especially in the first year or two or however long Krejci wants to sign for. Um, I think 
he's a guy who aced his tryout, so to speak, or aced yeah. his test, um, came in, assimilated very quickly uh, with the help of that veteran core. Seems to be a guy who is placing a premium on winning and being in a good situation as opposed to chasing money. Um, probably left money on the table in the process, which I guess is a, a an encouraging sign if you're the Bruins. Hard to find a lot of fault with this one. No. And manageable term as well. Manageable term, yep, which will be like a nice little foray into what's looking like the next era of Bruins hockey in terms of right. who knows when the life of that contract is up if – you know, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Tuka Rask will still be around. So there's that part of it. Uh, it's also like forwards are making a crap load of money now. So the fact yeah. that they got that's a good Taylor point. Hall for like six Barclay million. Goudreau, Goudreau got, yeah, look at what yeah. Barkley Goodrow got. Look at like what Tyler Toffoli got. Yep. Like I just mentioned, Ryan Johansson. Like he makes eight million. Like a, a, <laughs> Taylor Hall is only what three years removed from winning a uh, the Hart yeah. Trophy, and they got him for six million. Like that that alone and, and without a super long-term commitment uh, is good business as far as I'm concerned. And to the Krejci point, like, I don't think it's going to cost much to keep him. For one, he's completely limited his market. To what would you Boston think that number would even look like? I think it'll, I don't think it'll be more than four. I saw somebody throwing around five or even just like hypothesizing five. I was like, that feels very high. I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be four or lower i think so people are like, going to be very surprised with, if Krejci decides to come back to the bruins i think people are going to be very surprised with how i guess so like is. yeah to, to my that point is like so let's say it's four you get the two of them for 10 like that's and craig very smith bad. on the right your second line is 13, 13 million dollars yeah. that's that's very good that is good yeah especially when your top line's being 18 yeah right? so yeah I'm, again uh like the player I thought he was better in the playoffs than people gave him credit for, even in that New York series. He he certainly not got worse, but went away as that New York series went on. Yeah. I thought he was good early in that series. I thought that a lot that line was actually they generated a lot of chances, even some games that they lost early on, and that kind of tapered late. But who didn't? Yeah. Um way better defensive player too than I think a lot of people thought. Yeah, and I guess if you want to point to like one thing or one question mark is are you going to get that in November when he's made his money? Yeah. But you could say that about anybody you signed. Yeah, I think the thing is, too, is he really seemed to like the fact that he didn't have to be, like, the guy. Yeah. So maybe he will be more rejuvenated. I would probably be taking shifts off defensively, too, if exactly. I were Taylor Hall playing for the Coyotes, and it's basically me or Phil Kessel or Clayton Keller left to score, and then otherwise – your team is host or Connor Garland, I guess. Uh, regardless, he does seem to appreciate the fact that he doesn't have to do everything every night. Like a second line role suits him well. $6 million is probably on the higher end of what a lot of second line wingers are making, but it's not totally uncommon. And so I think the reason they got more out of his defensive game is because he didn't have to completely unload everything he has in the attacking zone. So that might be a nice byproduct of, the whole thing is that especially if he gets to stay put on that second line, then, you know, he can, he can play a bit more of a, as they say, 200 foot game. It's more accountability too here than, yeah, that's true too. All right. Uh, let's get into the draft real, real quick. Uh, we forgot about that. We were laying out our yeah. outline. Luckily I'm on top of things. Uh, Bruins made seven picks. 
uh, didn't have a second round pick. Uh, with their first overall selection, number 20 overall, uh, they took uh, winger Fabian Lysel out of Sweden. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know a ton about any of these draft prospects. One thing uh, I think if you're a Bruins fan, the encouraging thing is Lysel was really ranked pretty highly uh, by smart people, at least people who pretend to be smart when it comes to the draft. Consensus was is he they they got him at a relative <laughs> trying to not overstate this. He slipped slightly. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you're within five of you're the, still going in the, the first margin round. of error. Yeah. Like it's um I guess it's a long way of saying they didn't reach on somebody who would have been around in the fourth right. round, which has been a problem at times. Well, that's what the they past. thought Mason Lori was, which he right. ended up being very good, in, good, good year, Green yeah. Bay, with Green Bay, yeah. Um the, the gamblers, the gamblers. Love they that. have another prospect there too, Jake Schmaltz. Thank you. Um, it's a little fun fact. So I'm just looking through the story I wrote yesterday, kind of just recapping their draft. Uh, so they got Lysel in the in the first round. Didn't have a second round pick. That was from the the Hall trade. Uh, third round pick. Uh, they took um, Brett Harrison, uh, center out of the OHL. Uh, I think he's a bigger guy. He's yeah, a big kid. Added some size. He's six two, one eighty eight. A lot of size in this this draft yeah, for the they Bruins, went, both they went up front and on the back end. Um, seems like Harrison could be a a, a guy who who becomes an NHL player at some point. Yeah. I don't know. Again, way too early to know anything about this draft, but yeah. good. They, they, they again, smart people or people who make the draft their living don't think they completely screwed the pooch. So that's good. Yeah, I did like the Lysol pick because it does kind of break away from what they've ordinarily done. That's a good uh, point. In yeah. the draft, like, you know, it's jo- Johnny Beecher. American center who plays yeah, a two-way not, game. Right. It's like, you know, it's not Johnny Beecher or Trent Frederick. It's yeah. a guy who, and there's generally more risk in picking those guys, right? But that's also how you end up with a, a David Posternock, right? It's the easy comparison. So, oh, maybe that's so, worth something. Nesson.com's Logan Mullen says the Bruins just selected the next David Posternock in the first <laughs> yeah, round. Yeah, easy with that. Um, I'm going to aggregate myself when we finish this. Drafted a goalie in the third round. They did. That's I, doing a little research. I, fourth round. Uh, was it? The, oh, was excuse the fourth me. Round. Which is the same uh, round they took Swayman. That's correct. Mistaken. That was four they, years ago. So they're right on that little Their goalie there. pipeline was getting thin, though. Yeah. Like, well, I, I don't consider Callum Booth a prospect. Callum Booth is basically a placeholder. And so if Swayman and Vladar are ready, then basically the AHL right now is Callum Booth and uh, Kyle Kaiser. Then they have nobody else. Philip Svedebeck? 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 That's what I've been saying Speedback. in my head is Svedebeck. Svedebeck. So, I mean, that could be one of the things where, you know, you rolled that four-year four window down the road. And Did you read the the scouting report on him on Svedebeck? No. So his numbers were The numbers not are not great. good at all. They're not good. Well, like, what that's, I mean. Well, so I read some draft analyst, and he was like, yeah, like this guy was basically getting bum rush. Like on <laughs> his defense, I guess, on his junior team was garbage. And so it's just odd man rushes all the time. And so he said, like, the fact that he even put up like a 900 save percentage is pretty good. I, he's coming to the USHL, I think, where he'll actually get some semi competent defense in front of him. But my understanding from what I was reading is that his numbers won't blow you away. And it's in large part because yeah, he was just facing firing squads every night. Yeah. I mean, numbers, they only tell you so much unless you, you're drafting a guy who scored like 60 goals and 
40 games in the you know, the queue right. or something. <laughs> I mean, the Bruins signed one of those guys, uh, Alex Olivier Voyer, to uh, an AHL contract. And, like, he can score in the AHL. Yeah. So he's probably not an NHL player. Like, there's still risk with those guys, too. Surprising news uh, moving off of the draft. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, again, uh, all is a blur. Don Sweeney said they anticipated making a qualifying offer to Brett Ritchie and Nick Ritchie. Oh. Nick Ritchie and uh, Andre Kasha. <clears throat> uh, it was they, this is yeah uh, they announced it yesterday. Yes. They announced. So it's, they well, I was just making sure that this was not a reported thing. This is an official uh, yes. announcement that they did not make a qualifying offer to either of them. Both will be free agents. I think this makes more sense than extending a qualifying offer. Certainly with Kasha, it does. I don't think this means Kasha's gone. Because, first of all, what team would pay him his qualifying offer amount, which I think was 2.6? And that's not an insult to his playing ability. He's just been hurt. So I can totally see Kasha coming back on like a 1.5 million one-year show-me deal, and then he hits unrestricted free agency next year. The Richie one surprised me a little bit more, but I think that, you know, if I'm Nick Richie, I'm probably excited looking at what like Barclay Goodrow and what Blake Coleman will probably get. Like Nick Richie's kind of a, a step below Coleman. I think he's right around what Goodrow is, but big guys that can play third line wing apparently are going to get paid a crap load of money this off season. So if I were him, I might actually be kind of excited that I'm testing the market, but for the Bruins, that just says to me that they're looking for every little bit of financial flexibility they can get. I wonder. Here we go. Are they cooking something? What kind of something? I'm not Take sure. Take it a step further. I don't know. Give me an idea. Eichel it seems like unrealistic. <laughs> but like, I wonder if they already have something in mind and they're clearing decks. And like, maybe and like maybe making that move would render these guys relatively moot, especially Richie. And then they're like, if you want to bring back Kasha or try to at a lower number, then fine. No. I don't know. It's just it's interesting that they were it Sweeney seemed pretty not adamant, but like matter of fact, like this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Richie sudden, thing makes me think they might push harder for Coleman. Just because that's a similar role, like if well, what's the money difference going to be? Th- that's a good question. I don't know. Did you see somebody projected Nick Ritchie was going to get like a four million dollar deal? Sick. Which good for Nick Ritchie. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be the Bruins paying him that much. <laughs> but I mean, what's Coleman probably going to get? Like six years, five million, something like that. I know. Which those you know, I'm I'm just got like, to get well, used to this, these numbers because I just like eh. I, see I. I like Blake Coleman, but at the same time, it's like that, that to me, it's just Spinzo, screams though, like, Bolesky. Six years, five per for Blake Coleman makes Taylor Hall look like an even bigger deal. So that's, that's a good point. Spinzo. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I can see what they would be trying to, I, I see what you're getting at. I don't it? exactly know. I don't know if it, I, who it would be. It's just, the timing is weird it, or the, not the timing. Well, I guess the timing and it's just, flies in the face of what Sweeney said. I know executives lie from time to time. That just feels like a random thing to Here, be like. Here's one. What if they're going to offer sheet Connor Garland? Because he is an RFA, and he did just get traded to Vancouver. Vancouver is like clearing the decks, too. They are. So I hope I there's a. I hope Connor Garland 
re-signs for 10 years in Vancouver because I'm sick and tired of listening to you talk about it and write about it. He's a nice player. It. I'm sure he's fine. I know. But, like, I'm just – until I. it's the same thing with – it's it's like baby Ekman Larson. Yeah. I'm very happy that the Ekman Larson stuff is done. Yeah, I also – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver took on that that contract to get Garland, though. I mean, that's – yeah. Uh, all right. Um, as we mentioned, free agency begins 24 hours from from now, but probably 20 to 16 to 20, depending on when you're listening yeah. to this. If you listen to if you listen to this on Wednesday, I mean, this is completely Wednesday at dinner. It, you're wasting your time. Uh, <laughs> but free agency begins Wednesday, July 28th at noon. Uh, Logan for Renesson.com today. You wrote uh, you <laughs> pinpointed 15 players who would be available, who could fit the Bruins. I put a lot which is of a, qualifiers into which that league. Which is a hell of a way to just... be like, I said that they should <laughs> sign this guy. Okay, so here's what I did was I started going through a list of free agents, and I, I started writing like some names down, and I got the list up quite a bit, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll trim this down. And then I thought, you know what might be more interesting is just trying to build a very quick case for a number of guys, some of them are absolute reaches. I, some of not them are very one interesting player on this list, in my opinion. Either, well, who Which is... is not your problem? I'm just saying, like, yeah, give me a little spice if you want to. Yeah, I, sh- I mean, Jamie Alexiak would have been on the list. I don't know if that's considered spicy. I wanted Alexiak. That was, I guess. I mean, have you looked around Brandon at the Saad. free agents this offseason? Like the the best player might be freaking there. Brandon yeah. Saad. Like I I don't know what you expect. I mean, I just it's just a shrewd move by you to just list every free agent and so when the Bruins sign one of them, you can say that you're right. It's rare that I'm wrong. Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton. That would be the biggest splash. Philip Dano. So yeah. Um, so go read that. I it was it was a fine read. Um, Thank you, Mike. After thoroughly insulting me, but uh, among the players we didn't talk about or the players that you didn't write about is uh, Ryan Suter. What's the latest on him? What's I, a four-year deal? So he's going to an American team, right? Uh, Bruins in the mix. Islanders. I think Dallas. Dallas. Colorado, maybe? Seems like a Colorado guy. Does seem like he would like Colorado. I should go from Minnesota to Colorado. Yeah, that's tough. Four years, though, for, like, I like the idea of Ryan Suter for the Bruins. 56 years old. People forget that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I was in diapers when Ryan Suter broke into the NHL. But he's on the the, Miracle on Ice team. (laughs) The last thing I'm doing, if I'm the Bruins, is giving four years to a guy who's entering his age 37 season. And, and Ryan Suter's fine, but I think a lot of people expected this to be the type of thing where, oh, Ryan Suter's going to get his money through the buyout, so he'll probably just sign a team-friendly deal. It sounds like there is so much interest in him. Uh, it's, if I were him and some team's going to pay me, what, four and four, I'd probably do it. <laughs> we, we should probably mention that the Athletics flew to Shinzawa on Tuesday or Monday reported that uh, – the fit was not right between Suter and the Bruins, so that's probably not going to happen anyway. Yeah. So we just wasted the time. Probably should have looked that up before. Um, 
Zach Parise never made sense. Things can change. Keith Yandel? Sure. See, so I like the idea of Keith Yandel. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, he sucks defensively, yada, yada, yada. Bruins were playing with Jared Tenorti, Jack Ashan, Connor Clifton, guys like that. At a certain point, I'm, I just want someone who can score from the blue line. Like they thought Zaboral would be able to. Illusion of being able to score from the blue line. No kidding. Somebody who can get a puck on net from the blue line. Yeah, and and some of it was bad luck. Like I think the Bruins had a couple guys who are way up in the league's uh, rankings for like most shots getting blocked. And I don't know if you consider that a you know give a stick tap to the other team or if that's a flaw with another player's game. But I don't know. They got absolutely nothing offensively from their defense, and I don't know. Can you put Brandon Carlo's underlying defensive numbers really aren't that good. So I would say, well, do you put Yandel with Carlo? But there's not a whole lot of reassurance that he's going to be able to make up for Keith Yandel's defensive shortcomings. Like you're not putting him with Clifton. Are you really going to sandbag McAvoy with him? I don't know what the fit is, but I like the idea of Keith Yandel because I'll take my chances with a guy for who for a change can score. 40 assists two seasons ago. Yeah. And the guy can run a hell of a power play. 48 before the, like, he's, he had 324, 27 totals last year. That's not great, but, like, again. A half point per game, right? It's more than you're getting from anybody. Exactly. Lead the team, lead the Bruins probably, right? I don't remember what Mac I, I don't remember people barking as much about defense with Tory Krug too. And maybe that's because his yes. defensive game came around a little bit. Yeah. And that might also partially be revisionist history on my part. But yeah. Tory Krug, <laughs> first time for everything, Tory Krug got a free pass a lot because he was putting up 50 plus points a season. So I don't know. At a certain point, you have to kind of break away from what you've been doing. I don't know. Try Try different things. What do you think of Ryan Getzlaff? I hate the idea. I want if I'm the Bruins, I want absolutely nothing to do with Ryan Getzlaff. I don't understand that in the least bit. So the OC register said that he's likely to stay in Anaheim, but there were also multiple reports, including uh, David Pagnata. Pagnata uh, was it the fourth period? I think yeah. Um, said the Bruins and Predators could be a landing spot for him if he's able to from beautiful Anaheim. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I just... I, I guess it depends on the role. Yeah. But, like, I... That just seems like a clunky fit. No matter what. Because what role is he going to be? Because if it's... If it's Ryan Getzlaff or Bust, that means he's either your second-line center, which would be an enormous problem, or he's your third-line so center, and Charlie that? Coyle moves up. He's enormous like... problem. Or... You're what, healthy scratching Curtis Lazar so you can play 37-year-old Ryan Getzlaff? It, this is not a, this is not a shot at Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci, but like you're not really changing things up if you're going Bergeron, Krejci, Getzlaff down the middle. Like if you yeah. – you know what I mean? Like there's not a – you're not giving different looks there. Like I just he's – not, he's not as good as those other two. No, he's especially not. at this age. But like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not. I'd rather, I don't know, get like a five foot six guy who can fly. Like, yeah, just change something up and give a different look when you're rolling that third line. I guess you could say the same thing about Coil, really. But yeah, 
Coyle's ceiling is higher, I think, especially if he's healthy. But yeah, it's just the fit is very weird. I follow a few Ducks guys on Twitter, and they're all convinced that he's not going anywhere. So I I hope he does the Bruins a favor because that just seems like an awful fit. And and I guess this is coming from somebody who is like, stay away from Corey Perry the last two years. And I've been wrong about that. So like the veteran bottom to middle six forward who brings the quote unquote grit factor that I just bag on all the time has seemed to be working for some teams. So I don't know, maybe if you get them on short money and a low key deal, it's worth something, but I don't know. I'm not closing the door on David Krejci or shutting off. Like, don't you have Ryan Getzlav and Trent Frederick? Yeah. You know, like, well, why not stick with that? Yeah, I was ahead of the, the curb last year with Corey Perry. You were all over Corey Perry. Not feeling it this year with Ryan Getzlav. Uh, you just said he, the, he'd be doing the Bruins a favor. Maybe the Bruins doing him a favor by Maybe. sniffing around here yeah. and driving up his price a little bit to stay in Anaheim. So. Uh, let's see. I think that's probably pretty much it uh, on free agency. Zdeno Chara lingering. <laughs> Is that Zdeno Chara? <laughs> would it be an admission of defeat if you're the Bruins? Yeah, I, think I so. guess if you're Not healthy, if you're defeat, healthy, scratching Zaboral, then it might be. But you could. Uh, I mean, we were, we're floating just, this yeah. around moments ago. It's like, well, if you say we didn't expect Camper to leave, we didn't realize Lozon was going to get taken in the draft. Like there are obvious needs on defense i don't know what if he decides i'll talk to you in january yeah any injuries let me know i'll stand by eh, just yeah. wondering. who knows um let's see here any big predictions any uh you want to get carried away here <laughs> there goes the uh connor garland idea moments ago Five-year contract worth 4.95 for Connor Garland. So Thank there goes the my offer sheet idea. Um, speaking of young RFA forwards, uh, well, now he's a UFA because he got non-qualified. I think I'm all in on Pius Suter. Um, the Blackhawks didn't give him a QO. And he one year in the NHL, he had, I think, 25 points, only 25 years old very high upside or i think he had 27 points um, i probably could stand to look this up but i think he could be a good fit in a middle six role yeah sure pious and is like it pious or pious like the name uh i don't know either one, either is pretty cool <laughs> uh i don't have any pious pious suitor uh i think it's pious actually pious Pius, that's what the pronunciation guide says. I can't read pronunciation Pius. guides. Suter. Uh, yeah, good numbers last year. I don't know. Playing, playing for an for... awful black. But doesn't that go both ways? Sure. Ice time. Yeah. Chances. I mean, he's playing, playing 16 minutes a night. But I don't know. I'd take a flyer on a non-QO left shot center. Yeah, I mean, you talk about smaller guys. Five foot nine, one seventy six. It doesn't get much smaller than that in the NHL. Yeah, I like that. Not general but like, yeah sure um okay i i can kick around names all day no, if you no, want. No, i i did it for I an hour this morning i have stuff to do so. um i expect them to be relatively quiet oh do you yep do you think they get mike riley re-signed what's the, i don't know what the market looks like for defensemen i have no idea either i i i think they'll get something done I don't know what you pay Mike Riley. Like, he's coming off a career year. He probably gets, like, Grizzly money, right? 
You're probably getting yeah. Mike Riley for I mean, he, what th- three and eleven maybe you pay him like three three and a half million. Yeah, he big year. time faded too. Like he did. So that was that was the thing. He, some money, I think. Yeah, he disappeared a bit in the postseason. If I had to guess, that would be the thing holding up negotiations. Yeah, because he had, he was great in Ottawa too, but. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he disappeared during the postseason. He was not great during the Islanders series. Bummer. Um, yeah. So, uh, go read Logan's story, I guess. Um, <laughs> Carve out a few minutes. Uh, we uh, you're working tomorrow, right? Yes. Wednesday. So we'll be uh, nesncom slash Bruins. We'll have everything as it happens. Um, immediate reaction and analysis. Hopefully it's just an absolute bedlam. Those are the days of the most fun. Um, even if I, I, I think it's the, I think they'll make moves. I think they'll be of the relatively minor uh, variety, but it'll be an interesting day. They have a lot of moves to make. They like do. They, the they, they have a yeah. sneaky large amount of roster yeah. moves to make. So it, it might be something like, what was it? 2018 when they got Wagner, Nordstrom, Moore. Uh, I forget who else. Halak. It was sick. I'm that down was, for that. That was that's a great offseason, if you ask me. It'd be fun. All right. Uh, that's Logan. I'm Mike. This is Nesson Bruins Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will reconvene probably sooner than later. Yeah, probably. To kind of recap. Then hit the cottages. Yes. <laughs> then it's cottage season. So uh, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye.